0: Morning everyone. Morning. How are we doing? Great. We okay? Good. Kids, I didn't hear one response from any of you then. Martin, how are you, lad? Are you alright? You give me the thumbs up, don't you? Okay? Good stuff. Kids, I know sometimes you go out the back and you have Sunday school, but just treat this as Sunday school, but you're staying in here. Okay? So it's exactly the same. You were gonna read some stuff from the Bible and we're going to talk about it, and that involves you, just as it involves me, as much as it involves anyone else, okay? Kids, can I have another thumbs up, just to show that you're at least listening to me, for this, yeah, like that, like that, okay, so, Jimmy, I know you've got a Bible, kids, I know there are others, not just Jimmy, who has got a Bible, if you've got your Bible, in front of you, either on your phone, or in a book, you can turn to John 16, right now, that, that was a direct order, that was, yeah, yeah, and you, Keen, it'll come on the screen for you as well, Keen, okay, good stuff, um, John 16 we're reading from, I'm going to read and then we're going to talk about it, alright, it's as simple as that, and kids, just for your benefit, there'll be stuff on the screen as well, that just gives you a little hint, what verses we're looking at, and what we're reading and talking about. Okay, so we're going to read first, and I'm going to read John chapter 16, verses 1 to 11. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to his mates, he's talking to his friends, and it's at a point just before Jesus knows he's going to the cross. So he's telling his disciples, he's telling his friends some of the things that he thinks is really important for them to know. Okay? So that's the context. This is what he says. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because he have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is good. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, and righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. Amen? Amen. So, most of us know, from what we've looked at before, that this is, Jesus is telling his disciples some troubling stuff. Some stuff that's hard for them to deal with. And, some of, the, some of the things, unfortunately, when, when we're a Christian, some of the things are, are tough for us to hear and also to then apply or do in our lives. And two things that are really tough for us to hear about our faith, the first one, we might have to suffer because of it. Unfortunately, God doesn't say that suffering is going to go away. He says, because you belong to me, because you belong to Jesus the likelihood is at some point in your life you're going to have to suffer. And the second thing that is tough to hear about our faith is that God and his judgment is certain. There's no debate. And I'm going to explain a little bit about what I mean. It's the truth. That's what the Bible teaches. In Acts chapter 14 it says, through many tribulations, and tribulation is just a tough time, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul said in 2 Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus said to all of his followers that they are to take up their cross in order to follow him. And that, unfortunately for us, means some of the stuff we have to go through in life is going to be difficult for us to deal with. And what I want to say today, really, is that when we think of God, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but when we think of God, I do it, I think of love. I think of mercy. I think of grace. I think of all those things that I like about my God. But then there is also some things that I tend not to think about first and foremost but are equally true of God. Like his judgment. Like the fact that he's going to deal with sin. Like the fact that he is righteous and we are not. Like the fact that he has wrath and it's a righteous wrath. So Jesus' words in this passage can be tough to hear. And actually, when you take them and you tell them to other people outside of this church, not very popular. People don't want to listen to that stuff, do they? But Jesus continues to prepare the disciples, his friends, and he continues to prepare us for what we will face when he's gone. But, and there's always a but with Jesus... This is the butt in this one. There is a great comforter. In these verses he says, I'm going back to the Father, but guess what? I'm going to send something called the counsellor. And we know that great comforter, and we know that counsellor better by way of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know that com- comforter. That's how we know that counsellor. It's the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. And last week when I was here, we heard from Jesus and he said, no matter how much the world hates you, we've still got to tell people about Jesus. If I was summing up last week, that's what Jesus said. No matter how much the world gives you grief, you've still got to tell them about Jesus. This week we hear that not only do we have to tell the world about Jesus, But in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to tell the world about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. And that's hard. That's hard. But that's what Jesus says. He says it and he says, but don't worry. Because the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Giving you the strength. To be able to do it. Now isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? At least nod your head. You can tell me yes if you, if you agree with me. Good stuff Deepak, I know you're with me. The first four verses that I read, verses one to four, tell us how to witness in a hostile world without stumbling. It says we've got to face the task even though we might be persecuted, or even worse, in the when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, he said, you might be killed. That's how much persecution they, they were about to face. And Jesus tells them and tells us these things so that we won't fall away. We won't drop off. We won't just stop as soon as we face a bit of opposition. That's why he's telling them, and that's why he's telling us. You see, our task, the disciples' task, and our task is to go out there into the world, to go and see self-seeking, pleasure-orientated people, and tell them that God is going to judge all sinners. And do it with a smile on our face. That's not easy, is it? That is not easy. But don't forget the but. We tell them that and then we say, but, God has also provided a saviour. God has also provided a way back to him. You see, throughout history, and this, you can look at it in your Bible, throughout history, people have rarely responded favourably to being told that they're a sinner or not righteous or that they're going to be judged so if we expect when we go out of these doors and we go and speak to people wherever we are if we expect that they're just going to go okay then when we tell them this stuff we're in for a rude awakening so that's what Jesus is preparing us for he's saying don't, don't be going out there thinking when you start talking about sin and judgement and righteousness that they're all going to go alright spot on yeah fine good give me some more it's not It's not the way people react. John 16, verse 2 says, They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that they are offering a service to God. Jesus is telling his disciples, you're going to give them the truth. You're going to tell them about me. They're going to kill you, and they're going to think they're doing the right thing. And then he says, These things they do because they do not know the Father or have not known the Father and have not known me. You see, the persecution is going to come from people who don't know Jesus. Just as it was for the disciples, so it will be for us. The persecution, when we tell people the truth, will come from people who don't know Jesus. But, in verse 4... Jesus gives us this. He says the key to enduring persecution, the key to being able to deal with it, is that he knows the future. That's it. He knows the trials that we're going to face. He knows that when we serve him, we're going to come up against opposition. When Jesus was with the disciples, he was the target for the persecution. But after he returned to the Father, he knew that they would become the target. So Jesus speaks these words to them and to us to forearm us, to let us know, to prepare us, that it isn't easy to witness about Jesus in the hostile world. But he gives us some ways of doing it. He tells us, verses 5 and 6, Now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now I want you to stick with me here. What Jesus is saying here is, don't focus on yourselves. When you're telling people about me, don't focus on yourselves and the fact that you're sad I'm not here. Jesus is saying to his disciples, focus on God's glory. Focus on my glory. You see, the disciples weren't thinking about Jesus going back to the Father in heaven as being glory. They were thinking that was, oh, what? He's going. He's not going to be here. I am going to feel sorry for myself. Jesus is saying, I'm going back to God and I'll be glorified. That's where my glory is, in heaven with God the Father. And guess what? I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to empower you to do these things. Don't be thinking, don't be sad that I'm going. Don't focus your attention there, but focus your attention on the fact that I'm going back to heaven, and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. That's where Jesus was telling his disciples to put their focus. They were focused at that time on their needs. They weren't focused on Jesus' glory and God's kingdom and the purpose of it. At first glance, some of you that know John's gospel and that can remember some of it, at first glance, Jesus' words, none of you asks me where you are going, might seem to contradict stuff that we've heard before. Because in John chapter 13, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And in John chapter 14, Thomas says, Lord, we do not where you are going, we do not know where you are going. But just as Sim said before, about what, what you read, he's talking about Isaiah. What you read isn't necessarily the context in which you automatically think it, it comes across. When Jesus says this, he knows that neither Peter, when he asked, Or Thomas, when he asked, was really interested in knowing where Jesus was going. Because he knew the motive behind their question. Their question was motivated by the fact that they didn't want him to go, they wanted him to stay. So they were asking him, where are you going? Not because they were bothered about or concerned about him and his glory and his purpose, but because they were bothered that they were leaving, he was leaving them. Jesus knew that. But they, so even though the disciples have asked where Jesus is going, they're self-absorbed about their own loss, about the fact that he's leaving them. What they didn't see was the bigger picture that Jesus was returning to the right hand of God the Father and he was sending his Holy Spirit to empower them for the work that he had given them. The application for us, the thing that we need to take on board from this that Jesus is saying to his disciples, in order for us to be an effective witness, in order for us to be able to tell people about Jesus properly, We have to take the focus off our own feelings and what we think and focus on God's glory. Focus on Jesus' glory through spreading the gospel to the people that we meet. Even if we are persecuted, even if we come up against people who really don't like what we're saying, His glory should be our aim not how we feel about someone persecuting us does that make sense? when we're coming up against opposition for what we're saying about God, just because someone opposes it we shouldn't take a backward step and go oh you know what, I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself now, they've just given me a load of grief what Jesus says is focus on his glory and not how you feel and that's a lesson for us Because it's easy for us to step back, isn't it? And go, I'm not ready to take that flack. I'm not ready to deal with that. But he gives us a comfort. Jesus gives us a comfort. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He says, I am going back to the Father. You're going to have to tell people about me. You're going to have to tell people about sin, righteousness and judgment. But I will be with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes a claim in verse 7 that would have shocked you and me and certainly shocks the disciples. This is what he says. First of all, he says, I tell you the truth. So you know it's not a lie. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He says it's better that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says that we have it better because he is in heaven. We have it better because the Holy Spirit is with us. He lives within us to comfort us, to encourage us, and to empower us To tell people about him. And as we saw in the last chapter of John, the Spirit bears witness, we heard, the Spirit bears witness through us, through the way we live, through the things that we say. And this verse that we read today, John 16, verse 7, shows a massive change in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Through, so it's Holy Spirit to the ministry of the Holy Spirit to believers and also through believers. It's a change that's noted. Earlier in John's Gospel, do you remember this? Jesus promised that rivers of living water would flow from within those who believe in Him. It's a promise that Jesus made nine chapters ago. For those of you that were, who were interested, John chapter seven. He promised that. And in John chapter 7, he explains, He spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given. Why? Why was the Spirit not yet given? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. And all that means is, Jesus was not yet in heaven with his Father. So the Holy Spirit hadn't been given to us all yet, because Jesus was not in heaven. That's why Jesus had to go back to the Father. John chapter 14 says, Jesus also told the disciples, I will ask the Father. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I will ask God the Father and he will give you another helper. He will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world... So all those people out there that don't belong to Jesus cannot receive. Because the world, all those people, don't see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. That's a promise. That is a promise from Jesus to his disciples. And that change occurred on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit descended on the church. And as Jesus made clear, a massive role for the Spirit is to empower us, to give us the strength to tell people about him. There's a few ways in this passage that we've just read that explains how that happens. And the massive theme within these verses about the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit will convict the world. That's the word that gets used. It will convict the world. All who are saved, anyone that belongs to Jesus, has been convicted of their sin. But not all who have been convicted are saved. That's sad, isn't it? Some people are convicted of their sin, know that they are are sinners, that they are wrong, and yet refuse to come to Jesus. That's the only difference between a believer and a non-believer. A person that has been convicted of their sin who has chosen to come to Jesus, or Jesus has Drawn to himself. You see, John has also told us earlier in his his word that salvation requires the Father's drawing the sinner to Christ. And then the Spirit imparting new life to the convicted sinner. A saved person is marked... By a genuine repentance for sin. A genuine going, I've sinned, I'm sorry. I need to change. I accept that. Lord Jesus, help me change. Here's my question now on the basis of this. I've got a question for you. Evangelism, so going out and speaking about Jesus, whether you do it outside or inside of these four walls... Is conviction at the forefront of our methods today? I would argue not. I think when I look at all the evangelism that goes on in the world, I think there's a lot of get people to pray to receive Christ. Get people to pray. And it listen, I don't disagree with it. It's right. But sometimes that happens even when there's no indication that someone is convicted about their sin. And like with me, I'm going to make an assumption about you, and you can tell me after if you you think I'm wrong. Conviction deepens, I believe, after we're saved. That's the role of God's Word. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But to initially trust in Christ for salvation, you've got to have a sense that you're guilty for something. You've got to have a sense that you need saving from something. That's that's what the word means, salvation. If I'm going to trust in Jesus to be saved, then I've got to be saved from something. I've I've got to have some kind of understanding that I need to be saved. That's conviction. That's being convicted. Knowing that you have to be saved. It's as straightforward as that. And when the Holy Spirit convicts sinners, they can respond negatively. Superficially, or in genuine repentance. And there are three things that we hear in these verses that the Holy Spirit will convict on. The first one we hear in verse 9, concerning sin. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. Why? Because they do not believe in Jesus. Okay, When the Spirit exposes our sin... When the Spirit reveals to us our sinfulness, the stuff that we do and have done and will do wrong, we have a choice. We can either run away from the light, away from the truth, as described in John chapter 3, or we can come towards the light. We can come towards Jesus. We can come towards the truth. And accept that we're wrong. Accept that we're a sinner. When the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, they're the two options that a person has. You either leg it because you're scared to death of your sin being revealed, or you come towards the light and accept that you're a sinner. Jesus identifies the root of all sins. He says the root of all sin is because they do not believe in me. I would guarantee if you were to go out here and ask the general person that you would come across in the street, if they regarded not believing in Jesus as a sin. I think we go now. I don't think you're right. I think if you ask them what do you think a sin is, they'd go murder, they go stealing, they go abuse. Lying, adultery maybe, but I don't think not believing in Jesus would be on that list for most people. Yet Jesus says it is the sin, the sin that the Spirit will convict the world of. And that's because if you truly believe in Jesus, you won't be committing those other sins. You won't be doing them things. They stem from unbelief in Christ. And those other sins are ultimately not the issue between the sinner and God. The real issue is the rejection of Jesus. That's what Jesus says is the real problem. People reject me. That Jesus is the only remedy for anyone's sin and that's what people reject self-righteous people might say they don't need a saviour because they're good enough they're not great, they're not excellent but they're alright but they're going to perish if they don't believe in Christ notorious sinners, the worst of the worst people who think they're really bad might say, I'm too bad There's nothing that can save me. But rejecting Jesus condemns them equally. Likewise, accepting Jesus saves those two people equally. That is the issue that Jesus says. Those that do not believe in him will perish. After sin, it says the Holy Holy Spirit will convict the world about righteousness. Jesus himself is the standard for righteousness. He never sinned. He always obeyed God. He is the only one who could die in the place of sinners because he had no sin of his own. And when the Father resurrected him from the dead, he put his stamp of approval upon Jesus' death the bible is clear that god now imputes that very righteous imputes just means puts in us that very righteousness of jesus into every single sinner that trusts him 2 corinthians he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf why so that we might become the righteousness of god in him at the moment, any sinner trusts in Christ, his sin is charged to Christ. And Christ's righteousness is given to him. That is amazing. And that is the message that we are to tell the world. No one is ever good enough to qualify for heaven because everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God has given us a means by which we can be covered in the perfect righteousness of His Son. Namely, by believing in Him. By believing in Jesus that has done that for us. And then the final thing that Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit will convict the world on is judgment. So we've had sin, we've had righteousness, and now we've got judgment. Where sin and righteousness meet, judgment follows. Satan is the ruler of this world. He was judged at the cross. At the cross, his doom was sealed. The sentence was passed for both him and the people that belong to him. John 3.18 states, He who believes in him is not judged. In him is Jesus. He who believes in Jesus is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So when we tell people about Jesus, our witness has to include sin, righteousness and judgment. As much as we might not like it. Along with faith, along with love, along with mercy, along with all of those other things that I talked about earlier. But Jesus is the only remedy for our sin. Jesus is the only one who can make us righteous. Jesus is the ultimate judge and will judge between right and wrong, who is with him and who is not. In other words, just before that, when Paul witnessed to the Roman governor, Felix, he spoke to him about faith in Jesus. Paul told this Roman governor about faith in Jesus but he also told him about righteousness. He also told him about self-control. He also told him about the judgment that was to come. In other words, when Paul spoke to Felix, he spoke about sin or self-control. He spoke about righteousness and judgment along with faith in Jesus Christ. My question for us to finish Is what should motivate us to be witnesses for Christ. Given the prospect that people aren't going to want to listen to you. And might even want to cause you harm because of what you're saying. It's simply this. Remember this. Jesus' glory is what should motivate us to witness for him. He is. He is risen from the dead he is sat at the right hand of the father he is returning soon to judge the world in righteousness and he has entrusted that message to us to share with others the message of salvation through the cross our task is to tell other world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us that we might be able to do it. He's strengthened us. He's given us the authority and the strength to tell the world about Him. And we're blessed to be able to do it. Amen. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for its truth. Lord, we just pray that we will be able to put those things into practice that you would have us do. Lord, strengthen us in the power of your Holy Spirit that resides within each one of us that belongs to you, that we can serve you and serve you well as we go from this place. Lord, help us to sing. Help us to lift our voices now as we sing to you before we close. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.